0: Well, it is, um, I'm grateful for this opportunity to be able to take this time this morning to speak about an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, which is kindness. And like Mike sa- or Mark said, um, before Mike and I moved here uh, last year, I was an elementary school teacher um, in Omaha, and to say that kindness is important in classrooms would be a huge understatement. Um, In fact, I remember we had one um, professional development session that was exclusively about kindness, and it was hosted by a lady who had a friend whose daughter had been killed in the Sandy Hook um, school shootings in in, um, Connecticut. And so out of that, she started um, Secret Agents of Kindness, and so she assigned her students with different things that they could do to try to prevent bullying happening in the classroom. Well, it just went viral. Like, all over the U.S., she was on a TED Talk, and she's writing a book, and she's doing her dissertation on it. The need is great, right? Right. We want to know, how can we be kinder? How can we make our environment kinder around us? And in our school, we had these t-shirts made, throw kindness around like confetti. So we'd wear them to remind ourselves that uh, this was something that we wanted to be about. And you've probably heard that phrase, random acts of kindness. Well, I'd like to suggest to you today that that biblical kindness that what we're talking about when we're talking about the fruit of the spirit, kindness, is it something greater, greater than that um, Last week we heard about patience as being the gift that um, you don't want to get. I would suggest to you that kindness is actually the gift that gives twice. In fact, one might even say that it's the give, the gift that keeps on giving because um, It actually changes the giver as much as it changes the one who's on the receiving end. Uh, Dartmouth University put out um, a fact sheet about what kindness does to us, and it really is astounding. So here's a few of the things. First of all, it's contagious. They wrote, um, the positive effects of kindness are experienced in the brain of everyone who witnesses the act. This means that one good deed done in a crowded area can create a domino effect and improve the day of dozens of people. Secondly, kindness, even just witnessing it, not not even being the direct recipient, okay, just witnessing it in our bodies releases oxytocin, oxytocin, which actually lowers our blood pressure. Thirdly, It increases our lifespan. People 55 and older who volunteer for two or more organizations have an impressive 44% lower likelihood of dying early. early. That's after sifting out every other contributing factor, including physical health, exercise, habits like smoking, marital status, and even this. It says this is a stronger effect than exercising four times a week. That's amazing. Like, that's really an astounding thing. Um, Also, it says, Emory University wrote, when you are kind to another person, your brain's pleasure and reward centers literally light up. They've seen this, okay? So that the good deed, not the giver, that as if you were the one who received it, but you as the giver also receives a helper's high. Serotonin is also released, and this is what helps to heal wounds in our body and reduce um, anxiety. Like, this is really amazing, right? Kindness also releases endorphins, which are a natural painkiller. And lastly, the stat here is that perpetually kind people have 23% less cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and age slower than the rest of the population. Now what I love about this, of course, is that essentially what we're reading here is science catching up to scripture, right? I mean, God said, I came to give you life, and I came to give it abundantly. That's just what we've got described here. Aging slower, having less anxiety, not experiencing as much pain. And it comes around this this notion of kindness. Well, I think, and I don't know if you're like me, but when when I hear the word kindness, we often kind of think of it as, well, it's just about being nice. Can't you be nice? I mean, how many times in a classroom do you, just be nicer, (laughs) you know? But what we're describing here is something that's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's powerful. In fact, it's so powerful God's kindness is so powerful that it literally changes our eternal destiny. In this passage we see, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, that literally it's this great kindness of God that is like something magnetic. It's something that draws us, it's compelling. It's comprehensive, it's not like confetti that randomly falls and lands on some people and some places and doesn't land on others. It's comprehensive. I'd I'd suggest to you that rather than thinking about kindness as confetti, I'd like to to suggest the image of, of what it looks like when there's been that long, slow snow, and it's just a blanket. And it falls on every little piece, every, every branch, and it's there. That's the kindness of God. It's comprehensive. It's constantly towards us. It is powerful. It is powerful to change us. It is in us. It is the result of the Holy Spirit working in us. I can try to be kinder and that's good, but biblical kindness is so much more powerful because it's actually a posture. It's that notion that it's a continuous kind of thing, that the Holy Spirit literally changes me when he's creating fruit of the Spirit and kindness as an aspect, so that rather that, that actually my first, my initial response actually by the grace of God becomes something that is kind and gracious, friendly, warm. That's the Holy Spirit's work, work in us. And so I wanna just take a few minutes here to look at some scriptures and we see this posture in Jesus. And when I'm teaching Sunday school, I like to, to challenge the kids as we're reading through the stories, we're looking at it. I want you to identify where do you see God's kindness in the story? And of course, I mean, it's all over scripture, but we're just going to, we're gonna drop in on three different scenes. And the first one is out of um, Luke 8, 43 to 48. And it is a story in a story because it is Jesus on his way to go to, to um, see Jairus's daughter. But as he's walking and the crowd is really intense, there's a woman And this woman, we don't have a lot of information about her, but what it says about her is that she's been bleeding for 12 years. That means that she's been unclean. And if you're unclean, you're on the outside. And secondly, it says in Scripture that she has spent all of her money on doctors and to try to cure her and nothing has helped. So we've got a woman here who is on the outside, She's destitute, she's very poor, but on this day she says, if I can just get, if I can just get close enough to just touch his garment, maybe by the grace of God, something will happen for me. And of course she does, right? She gets there and she touches it and it's like instantly she knows it's changed. She's been healed. okay? But this is where we think, well, that's a great kindness to God. This is where the kindness of Jesus and the posture of kindness comes in, because Jesus stops. And he turns around and he asks, like, who touched me, right? And the, the disciples are, well, my goodness, like there's all these people crushing in. She realizes that he knows, Right? And so she comes trembling at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you, go in peace. Now this is really beautiful and kind because the very first thing he says to a person who has not been seen, who has been on the outside, is he calls her daughter and he says, you belong in my family. You're with me. It's identity. Um, We heard prayed this morning about help us to live out through our identity. Kindness, that's often one of the first things is we recognize this, that it calls out the identity. It recognizes you, it sees you, and that's the first first thing that Jesus does here. The second thing he does, I love it, he champions her faith, right? He says, your faith has healed you. For someone who has not been noticed to celebrate, she celebrated in front of this whole crowd. And then recognizing her fear, the last statement to her is this, go in peace. This is kindness. This is God's kindness. He knows what we need. He recognizes, he sees us, and he speaks into it. The second scene is similar. It's the story of Zacchaeus, where Jesus is also on his way to Jericho, and this, this story is about um, a man, of course, who can't see, and so he climbs the tree, but what he really needs is to be seen by a loving God. And Jesus stops and sees him and calls him by name, again, that great kindness, right? saying the name, recognizing, recognizing. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Jesus goes further than just saying his name. He says, I wanna be your friend. I'm gonna spend some time with you. I'm invested, okay? Kindness, kindness there. And then of course there's this discussion, there's the muttering that goes on around, and the final statement that Jesus that, that um, Jesus says is today's salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Here we see it, that magnetic pull, that compelling kindness of Jesus, which literally turns Zacchaeus' destiny, right? He changes right there forever. And what's interesting in both of these circumstances is in the story, it's like Jesus is on his way. He's doing something else. But it seems like these incidents weren't on the agenda, but they were on the Father's agenda. And what we see from Jesus is that he only acts out of which the Father prompts him to do. So he recognizes he stops and doesn't miss the appointment, right? And that's what we so want. We want to be able to not miss those things that that God has prepared for us to walk in. The last scene, and this is, again, just coming back to this notion of it being a posture, is a difficult scene. It's the scene of Jesus when he's on the cross. And we see in this moment, one would think of all the other times Jesus could have been absolutely self-absorbed, right? He's in excruciating pain. He's got the weight of sin on him. And yet we have these two interactions that to me are just so stunning. The first one is with the thief who admits that he's there for a reason. And out of complete kindness, Jesus assures him that today, you will be with me in paradise great kindness, great kindness, knowing his deepest need, knowing what he needed to hear, and he responds. And the second thing is, in John, we read where John records, he's standing there at the foot of the cross with with Mary, Jesus' mother. And Jesus looks down, and he sees his mother, and he knows that she must be in absolute anguish. She must be in incredible pain. And then wondering what is going on? Because she'd been given all these promises, right? And Jesus sees her, and again, in this posture of kindness, he looks at her and he says, these are the words he says, again, just to, to assure her. This is John 19, 25 and 26. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus recognizes that for his mom at that moment, she needed to know where she belonged and she needed to have protection And Jesus was providing for that, a posture, a posture of kindness. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. Kindness is merciful, right? I think this is where we can sometimes think, when we tell children, we'll just be nice, or we think about kindness as being nice, we miss the fact that sometimes... Sometimes true kindness is actually a little bit hard. And in this next passage, we see where love in action, which is what kindness is, because I can feel love towards you, I can think loving thoughts, but as soon as I do something, that's kindness. It's love in action. So in this passage we see, and we urge you brothers and sisters, warn, those who are idle and disruptive. The first thing is actually do a hard thing here. If you see some people who are not making good choices, okay, do the hard thing. Do the hard thing. That's being kind. And then of course he goes on to think, to do things that we kind of think of as kind. You know, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. There's the blanket of snow, right? Everyone, not just random confetti. Make sure that nobody pays back for wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other, and there we have it, and everyone else. God's great kindness, that is, when he builds that into us, when he makes us kind people, it's hugely, hugely impactful. So then, the question is, well, what hinders us, whoops, wrong one, what hinders us from being kind? If we know this is so significant, what are the two things? And there's gonna be a few, but I just wanna focus on two, okay? The first one is really pride. And probably the most famous story out of scripture that really illustrates kindness, right, is the Good Samaritan. And when we think about the Good Samaritan and the two individuals that walked right on by, um, really, it comes down to their own pride and self-interest, right? I mean, there's lots of reasons we could give for why they did what they did. But fundamentally, at the very kind of bottom, the very basic kind of thing, their agenda, their personal, what was important to them was more important than, than what was going on with that guy laying by the side of the road. You know, and, and this is, for us, this is, this is an issue, right? Um, that, that it's hard for us to, to kind of um, be humble. <laughs> and this is something that God has to grow in us because kindness is absolutely linked to humility. I wanna play just a little song for you. This is um, something I used to play for, for my students in class um, from, a, from a website called Pass It On and they make all kinds of videos about character. Um, In the song, it says, hold the door, say please, say thank you. Don't steal, don't cheat, and don't lie. I know you've got mountains to climb. Always stay humble and kind. When the dreams you're dreaming come to you, when the work you've put in is realized, let yourself feel the pride. I mean, let yourself feel the joy of seeing that happen. That's good. That's good. But always be humble and kind. So I just would encourage you as you're watching this, just to watch their faces and to kind of think again about this universality of, of what kindness, kindness really is and how it changes things.
1: You know there's a light that glows by the front door. Don't forget the keys under the mat. When childhood stars shine, Always stay humble and kind Don't expect a free ride from no one Don't hold a grudge or chip And here's why Bitterness keeps you from flying Always stay humble
0: Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather than in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of others. And I know that we can think at that moment, but I can't do everything for everybody. I can't, I can't. What about margins? Aren't we supposed to have margins? You know, and this is the beauty of when God says He gives us wisdom and He gives it generously that it says that we have acts, that God has prepared good works for us to walk into. There are things that he's prepared for me to walk into and I need to be ready and I need to be listening, just like Jesus was for those, those two people on the way. He's not asking me to do everything, he's asking me to be listening and attuned for what he's prepared for me. And I believe in God's grace that there will be margins then because it'll be the right things. It'll be at the right time, right? What else h- hinders kindness? Hurry, hurry. And um, if we go to back to this story of this good Samaritan, and you know, you're thinking about the other two guys were in a hurry. When the Samaritan made the choice to do something, we see the sequence of what this cost him he had to get down. The first thing he did was clean every wound. Then he wrapped everyone. Then he had to lift the guy up, put him on the donkey, and now travel slower, right? Because the guy's in so much pain that we can't be like, come on, we just got to get there, right? So now it's like it's elongating the whole thing, right? It wasn't just that act. It's like the whole thing now. This is a really significant commitment, right? Hurry, it really clouds our vision for what is significant. And I will be the first to say I struggle with this. If um, <laughs> my students used to say, Mr. Schmidt, you walk so fast, I can't keep up, you know? And, and every, I, I've kind of always been that way my whole life, you know? I kind of talk fast, I walk fast, I try to multitask, you know? And, um, and Dallas Willard says, we must relentlessly, and that's a strong word, we must relentlessly drive hurry from our lives, if this is a struggle for you, and it, like I'm saying, it really is for me, I've really appreciated the book, A Thousand Gifts by Anne Voskamp. In there, she has a chapter that talks about this question of time and about how it is that we can live in the moment, how it is that we can, she says, we have enough time. We keep telling ourselves, I don't have enough time for this. Actually, we really do. It's what we do with the time. It's how we live the time. It's how we experience the time and by God's grace to be able to be all in in that moment so that I can really see, that I can really hear. It's a, it's a spiritual practice of slowing because I don't have the capacity to love if all that I'm thinking of is the next thing. If I'm just thinking of that and if I'm just kind of always here, I'm not able to truly understand and appreciate what is, is around me and what has to happen. I had a valuable lesson taught to me by an eight-year-old. <laughs> we, were, we were standing in front of the bathrooms um, as it was our bathroom break. And this little guy, his name was Miguel, and he came from um, a very violent home. His mom was in jail because um, she had taken a stiletto from her shoe and put it through the face of another woman at a party. And so he came into my classroom and he had, he had anger issues. Um, he had a, a, a quite a bit going on. And, um, but he really made some remarkable strides um, during the year. And this day, we were standing in front of the, the bathrooms, and I don't know, I don't, honestly don't remember if they were just goofing off and, you know, and I was annoyed because they were mucking around or something. Um, but he says to me, he was next in line, and he says, Mrs. Schmidt, if you take a deep breath and count to 10, it really helps. <laughs> and I, I, I just looked at him, and I tried it, of course, and I said, you know, you're right, it really works. <laughs> and, and I've never forgotten it. It's really, really true. You know, take a deep breath, count to 10. Maybe you would say, diff- maybe the words come out differently. Um, maybe the email gets one more reading. Um, but even just taking a deep breath tunes you in. Am I really kind of like jacked up here? Or, or am I in the moment, right, tuning into, tuning into my breath? Um, So these are kind of some suggestions about slowing as being a cure for being in a hurry. How is it I can slow down? Well, um, we heard um, from Ken Shigematsu about meditating, about just really trying to slow myself down. Um, Choosing solitude at times. Chew your food and think about it. You know, (laughs) enjoy enjoy what it tastes like. You know, enter in. Sometimes, even choose, rather than finding the line that's going to be the fastest, say, I'm going to get in the slower line just so that today I actually am going to wait and I can pray and look around and take notice and just take, take a moment, you know? Choosing to slow builds kindness. It allows me to hear God better and for him to build that into our lives. I want to finish our time with a story and a song. And the story is about this young man named Nuhu. And I met Nuhu when we lived in Niger, and I um, was teaching Sunday school, and he came into my class. Now, Nuhu did not walk into my class. He hopped into my class. Because Nuhu Right leg was like this. It was completely bent, and so that he couldn't straighten it out. It was like this, so he would hop everywhere. And as he came into my class, he was about t- 10, and I said to him, Oh, hello, what's your name? And he didn't answer. And the other kids said, The lame one. And I said, That's not his name. I, knew who, or I said, what's your, um, Hello, what's your name? And he didn't answer me. And they said, The lame one. I said, I know he has a name. Third time, what's your name? And he said Nuhu. I said Nuhu. It's really nice to meet you. I'm really glad that you're here. And he kept. He was a Muslim, a Muslim child from down the street, and he kept coming, and to say Nuhu was a bit of a tough kid. He got into a lot of fights, and he started fights, you know. Um, He had to kind of defend himself, and so, you know, having him around, we had a few altercations in Sunday school, some blood. (laughs) Um, But... We At at the hospital that SIM had, that was about 40 minutes down the road from us, um, they would have an orthopedic surgeon come in a a couple of times a year. So I went to the family and I said, would you be interested in us just going to the hospital and let's see if we could take an x-ray and we could look at his leg, let's just see if there's anything that could be done for him. And so they said, yeah. So we went in, long story short, they did the surgery and that child's leg, was made completely straight, and he had a cast from from his hip all the way down to his ankle. And people in the neighborhood were like, "A binda mamaki, Allah yaya binda mamaki." God has done an amazing thing, and I said, "Absolutely, God has done an amazing thing." So he had this cast on. When he got it off, of course, he had crutches, and I I noticed that he was not putting weight on that foot. And so I went to the family. And with him, and I said, no, you have to, you have to stretch that foot out. You have to start putting and doing the exercises. And his parents said, it hurts so much, it makes him cry. And I said, I'm, I'm really sorry that it hurts so much. That's, that's really awful. But here's the deal, that you have a window here. And that unless you work this leg right now, that foot is going to revert and it's going to go right back. And I watched as that foot went right back. And the new who stopped coming to Sunday school, and so I I went to his house and said to him and his family, I said, listen, I am not mad about the foot, okay? I'm really sad. I'd really wanted to see you run, and I'm sad. But... I said, you are so welcome to come to Sunday school. Well, it was the, nearing the end of our term, and so we were headed home, and when we came back after our year away in our truck, we, we drove up to our gate, and I looked down the street, and there he was, hopping as fast as he could to come and greet us. It was the best welcome. And um, I, I talked to the pastor's wife, and she said to me, you know what? He has been coming all the time. He's been coming and he's told his family that he wants to be a Christian and even though the mosque has tried to change things so that the children can't even get to Sunday school, he's decided to come. It was the kindness of those church people, it was the kindness of God that he heard about that absolutely changed his destiny. Kindness is not small, it's not incidental, it's not just being nicer. It's powerful and when God builds it into us, it becomes our posture by God's grace and in it we are changed and people around us are changed. I wanna play a song for you, it's it's, um, a favorite of mine. It's by Jeremy Camp and it's called Keep Me in the Moment. I don't want to miss what you have for me. This is not some narcissistic desire of I just want to get everything I can out of this moment. This is about I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss what you've planned for me. So we're just going to listen to the song and then I'll close in prayer.
2: I've been thinking about time, and where does it go? How can I stop my life from passing me by? I don't know. I've been thinking about family, now it's going so fast. Will I wake up one morning just wishing that I could go back? I've been thinking about Stay where you are All I got is one shot, one try One go around in this beautiful life Nothing is wasted when everything's placed in your hands Singing Oh Miss you home, so it's all eyes on you until the day you call me home, singing.
0: Heavenly Father, your kindness is so immense. It is so great towards us. Thank you that you promise that you have started a good work in us and you will bring it to completion, that you can make us kind, that by your grace you can help us to be part of what it is that you are doing here by being your hands and feet and being able to really see what's in front of us. Forgive us for our pride and our self-occupation and being hurried. Give us grace today to choose, to see what it is that you have for us to see, to walk in obedience with what you've prepared. Thank you that you truly offer us life abundant, Thank you for this time, in Jesus' name, amen.